Pride Month is a time to celebrate the various identities that make up our wonderful and diverse community. It is also a time to reflect on and honor the powerful contributions of those who've come before us. We stand on the shoulders of giants. James Baldwin, Larry Kramer, Bayard Rustin, Sylvia Rivera, and Marsha P. Johnson. To them and countless other trailblazers, we are humbly indebted and forever grateful. If you'd like more information on the movement or recommendations on how you can help, go to blacklivesmatter.com partners. In these dark and difficult times, we hope that this episode brings you a little bit of joy and light. Welcome to this special Pride Month episode of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff. And I'm Will. Kirk Graves has been working tirelessly for the last couple of years, using his voice to bring the romance stories we all love to life. For this Pride Month bonus episode, he'll be sharing some of the work he's been doing with author Lynn Van Dorn. Kurt, thank you so much for coming and being part of our Pride celebration. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. So we get to have you two times this month to talk about books. What do you want to kick us off with? So I, I will go in chronological order because I'm going to be sharing a book that has recently come out and a book that... I'm guessing we'll have yet to come out by the time the episode airs. Frequent listeners to your podcast will know that sometimes narrators don't have control over when books come out. Very uh, true. Those, those cases. So the first book I'm going to be talking about is Now You See Me by Lynn Van Dorn, which is contemporary romance that came out just in the last few weeks. Speaking of audiobooks taking forever to come out, I finished this so long ago. Uh, that now that it's finally come out, it's actually fun to talk about again. Now You See Me was a really fun project for me because I got to meet Lynn at GRL last year. And it was the first time that I met somebody at GRL and they were like, oh, I'd love to work with you. That part happens a lot. But then followed up, she had a project for me. And then we actually did the project. That was exciting for me. So... GRL definitely came through for me uh, the second time around. And this was just such like a sweet, sexy story. It's about uh, a college professor who, and this part sounds kind of creepy, but I promise it's handled well in the book. He sort of spies on his neighbor through the window. And the neighbor turns out to be one of his students. But the student is also like a non-traditional college student. He is an adult, not a... 19 year old and then through the course of this across the street window flirtation because it's male male romance we can all assume that they get together it would be the logical conclusion of of a mm romance indeed indeed i mean i don't i don't like to spoil things but i can say that they both have some things they have to deal with and they kind of learn from each other and grow. And those are my favorite types of stories where both people, it's not that they need the other person. They are both complete people. They both have their own lives. But like when they get together, they improve the other person's life and they learn a lot about themselves through the relationship. And also, again, this is like on the steamy meter. It's one of the steamier books I've done. Ooh. So, all right. What do we get to hear in your reading? 
So what you will be hearing in the reading is the scene in which Aldrich, who is the college professor, is, well, he's he's finally gotten called out by Miguel, who's the neighbor across the street. Miguel's figured out what the deal is with Aldrich and puts a sign up in his window asking Aldrich if things are going to move forward or not. And the scene is is Aldrich dealing with that. Aldrich stared at the sign with its six simple words and felt his stomach and heart plummet while fear soared to dizzying heights. One is yes, two is no. For roughly thirty seconds after the sign had first appeared, he'd been confused. Then, as Miguel stepped up to the window, letting it frame him like he was a portrait hanging in a gallery, the meaning became crystal clear. Miguel knew. Somehow, some way, he knew about Aldrich and his little spying habit. Aldrich had been found out again, and this time his victim was a student not only at the university, but in one of Aldrich's classes. This was a disaster, a complete and utter disaster. He spent the first evening, a Friday, in a near-constant state of panic attack. He spent Saturday hoping the sign wouldn't reappear right before dusk, then hyperventilating once it did, and then drinking himself into a near stupor. He spent early Sunday morning darkly drunk, then later miserably hungover, but full of hope the sign wouldn't reappear then depressed but resigned when it did. He nearly called in sick on Monday, but in the end went in. Aldrich dreaded his anatomy lecture and seeing Miguel. But if the guy was there, Aldrich didn't catch a glimpse of him. After the lecture, his last of the day, Aldrich went home. For the first time since Friday, he felt close to okay. Then, fifteen minutes exactly before sunset, a new sign appeared, and Aldrich concluded that both avoiding and ignoring the issue weren't going to work. Yes or no? I'm waiting. Aldrich's first wild instinct was to run. Quit his job, sell the house, go to the Galapagos Islands, and hang out with penguins for the rest of his life. Penguins, as far as Aldrich could tell, gave zero fucks when you stared at them. On the other hand... He liked his job and his house, and while he was a biologist, avian studies had never interested him much. One is yes, two is no. Would the signs get increasingly impatient? What if someone saw them and guessed their meaning? More panic rolled through Aldrich, making his heart feel like it wanted to explode from his chest. He had to do something, but signaling across the street in some fashion would not do. It was far too public, and neither one of them was either a preteen girl or a boy detective. He left the window, making sure it was completely shrouded by the blinds, then switched on first the room's light, then his laptop. He pulled up his email program, started a new message, stared at the blank screen for a long time, then finally wrote an email. He read it over, pushed send before he could change his mind, then sat and waited and tried to remain calm. Now that it was sent, Aldrich read over the email again and again and second-guessed every word. Dear Mr. Miguel Cordero Ruiz, Pursuant to our conversation on Friday, I understand that meeting with me in person is inconvenient for you. What method of communication would you prefer? I can contact you through email or by text. 
let me know which you'd rather, and then we can more conveniently discuss and address your concerns. Regards, Dr. Aldrich Cummings, Ph.D. Was it too blatant or too oblique? Probably he shouldn't have engaged, but Miguel knew, had to know, and if nothing else, they needed a safer way to talk than by flashing each other signs across a public street. His phone's vibration pulled Aldrich out of his anxious stupor. His heart went back to beating double time, and he dove for the computer, both wanting to see and not wanting to see the email that had just come through. If it was from his bank or the New York Times or work, he wasn't sure he'd survive the simultaneous letdown and relief. Instead, the email was a response to him from Miguel's student email address. Dr. Cummings, thank you for getting back to me so quickly. I appreciate your concern over my academic welfare. The best way to contact me is by texting my cell. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to bring up my grade in your class. Any help achieving that is appreciated, but I want you to know that I'm highly motivated. Thanks. Miguel Cordero Ruiz. And below that was a phone number. A local area code, too, Aldrich noted. NG, Miguel, was likely from the area. Aldrich picked up his phone in fingers that only shook a tiny bit. He punched in Miguel's number and a short message, then tossed down the phone like it might burn his fingers. In just a few seconds, it buzzed, then buzzed again. Aldrich eyed it like it was a ticking time bomb, but eventually steeled himself to pick it up and type in an answer. Aldrich, you need to stop putting messages to me in your window. Miguel, you need to stop ignoring me when you're not checking me out. Miguel, because I know you've been checking me out. Aldrich, are you trying to blackmail me? There was a very long pause. Aldrich held the phone in his hand and closed his eyes while he made himself breathe slowly and steadily. Then the phone buzzed, startling him again. Miguel, that's a very interesting question. Aldrich, are you? Miguel, do you have a boyfriend or fiancé or husband or anyone else who would want to put me in a wood chipper if they found out their main squeeze was watching me exercise in my underwear? Aldrich stared at his phone in amazement. Aldrich, excuse me? Miguel, no, I don't want to blackmail you, Prof. Now answer the question. Aldrich, don't call me Prof. And I could have a wife or girlfriend. Miguel, but you don't. I asked around. Word is you're gay and a bit creepy. Smiley face. Aldrich stared at his phone, which he held far too tightly in fingers that were starting to feel numb. Miguel. Sexy, though. Sexy and gay and a bit creepy and hot. All the girls I talk to think you're dreamy as fuck and nice as hell and gayer than a glittery butt plug. The guys are split more or less three ways. No strong opinion, kind of weird, and really weird. Also one dreamy as fuck. That kid has it bad for you. He couldn't help himself. Aldrich. Who? Miguel. He's a teenager, you huge creep. Aldrich. You were the one who took a poll about me. Miguel. An informal one. I like making informed decisions. Aldrich. Informed decisions about what? Miguel. Nope. Nice try. 
Answer me first. You have a S.O.? Aldrich. So? Miguel. Significant other. Don't act like you're dumb, prof. Aldrich wanted to give his phone the middle finger, but that was too childish to do even in the privacy of his study. Aldrich. No, student. The only one who would get upset about any of this, whatever this even is, would be the dean of the biology department and also the dean of students, and probably your parents. Miguel. You could shorten student to stud, you know. That'd be fine. Aldrich. What do you want from me, Mr. Cordero Ruiz? Miguel. Man, that sounds hot. Call me that all you want. And I could ask the same question, Professor. What do you want from me? Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you for letting me share it. I'm excited uh, for more people to find that book. I think it's a really, really fun read. Since this is Pride Month, tell us what Pride means to you. You know, uh, your Patreon members are going to maybe remember that years ago when I did the interview with TJ Klune, you asked me the same question. And but it was only released to like your Patreon members. And I, I hate to admit it, but I kind of have the same answer still all these years later, which is that to me, pride is about visibility. Pride is about being open and being honest. I live in a part of the country. I live in Wisconsin that is more conservative than a lot of other places in the United States, certainly not as conservative as some parts of the world. But there are still a lot of people here that when I meet them or I'm getting to know them or I'm interacting with them for the first time and I, for example, mention my husband, you can see on their face they go through a moment of gay, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's just like it rocks their world for a second because they are so entrenched in what is considered normal and heteronormative that they have to process for a second that like this interaction is going differently than I thought and I have to decide how I feel about that right now and I'm going to be cool about it. And to see that happen so many times uh, throughout my life, not only as a teenager who came out, but also you know as an adult now who is married to another gay man, I just I see how many times there are people who have to reckon with my gayness in a way that they hadn't ever thought about, and they have to make that split second decision of whether or not they're going to be cool with it. And 9.9% .9 of the time they are. And I don't know that they would have ever thought about it if I wasn't standing in front of them, a real live human being, casually expressing my sexuality in a way that's not threatening and it's not in your face and it's not confrontational. It's just a fact. It's just a part of who I am. And that to me, that's visibility. It's just being open and honest and letting people confront their own feelings about queer people in real time and in their real life. And my hope is once they have that experience, they go back to their real lives in some way settled in their own feelings about it. And, and they've become an ally or if not an ally, at least somebody who's willing to be like, eh, let people live their lives. Like how many times, <laughs> and I'm sure this has happened to you in your life too, that you know, there are people who have had to change their minds about gay rights or gay marriage 
just because they knew somebody who was gay. And it rearranges something about how they think about gay people if it's a real person they know. Mm -hmm. You hope that's where it goes because they make that split second choice and you really don't know in the back of their minds if they're just going to take that and become that ally or if they're going to take that and then try to never see you again or something like that. But Right. Because they're not going to make a scene in the moment. Well, somehow. And, you know, God bless them for being so entrenched in their beliefs. But true. Yeah. Usually you can you can tell by the look in their face. That they they are they are having to make the decision. And usually they come out the other end in a way that I would hope they would, which is just like, oh, I talked to a gay person and I did start on fire. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. And he's not glowing a rainbow or anything. (laughs) You know, so I think, you know, again, for me, pride is just visibility. It's about showing it's about just showing people that we are real, normal in all of our diversity and queerness and sometimes over the topness, sometimes quietness, sometimes intelligence, sometimes simple attitudes in our conservatism, in our traditionalism, in our liberalism, that we are across the spectrum and we are just people and that our sexuality doesn't make us one thing or another. And I think the more people are confronted with that, the more they are likely to get on board with agreeing that like everybody should just have the same rights and everybody should have the same ability to walk through life and be happy. Well said. And that's really what we all want, just to walk through life and be happy. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing the book, sharing your views on pride and we'll actually see you again in two weeks to do another book i can't wait i'm looking forward to it we hope you've enjoyed this special pride month bonus episode remember that the pride that we have is something we carry within us no matter the time of year so be proud be strong and above all else be you thank you so much for listening for a complete rundown of this month's bonus content, go to biggayfictionpodcast.com slash pride2020. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. New episodes of this show are available every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. You can help support this show with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For more information about joining our community and the bonus content we deliver, check out patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. I'm Kurt Graves. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.